episode of Demo Listen. I'm Gray. I'm joined as always by my co-host Nathan. We do a very simple podcast. We talk about punk and hardcore and punk and hardcore adjacent music that people send in to us. We listen to submitted releases and we give our honest reaction to them. We really like punk and hardcore, so we talk about it. That said, sometimes we lay into some shit. Sometimes we pray it, praise it. Sometimes we're ambivalent to it. But either way, the uh, entire reason that we do this this whole thing is that we really like punk and hardcore. So uh, the format for the show is that every week we have 10 bands in the queue. We usually get through between five and seven of them, and that's really all there is to it. We roll some dice so that the bands are randomly selected and nobody gets special treatment, and that's it. Uh, that's Yeah, that's really it. Uh, so... I should note this week for any first-time listeners of the show or people who tune in uh, weekly that we are recording remotely this week because we have been, you know, struck with the dreaded COVID-19 virus uh, in the United States. I think we have now officially the most cases in the entire world at it's, over uh, one. Yep, that that fire is burning brighter every day. Yep, over 100,000 cases now. Um, so yeah, so we're doing the socially responsible thing and recording it remotely. So if there's any quality differences that you hear, you can attribute it to that. And, uh, you know, it's not our fault. Don't complain to us. We're doing our best. We're still bringing you the, this content in times of crisis. Um, so speaking of, of COVID-19 related crises, or crises rather, um, I, had to, I had to kick somebody out of my house earlier and explain to two grown men why they're not allowed to have people over right now. Right. So that was, that was a lot of fun. Um, I had already had that conversation once and I went out into the hallway to see somebody come over there to see somebody that does not live here over. And I said, Hey, we, uh, we haven't guests now. We haven't people over. And he said, well, well, we're having just one person. I said, yeah, no, no, that, uh, that cannot happen. You, you gotta leave, man. So the moral of this story is that if you think that you might want to dedicate your life to the pursuit of facilitating punk and hardcore, the, the proliferation of punk and hardcore music via you know, living and operating in a punk house, uh, don't do it. It's a sham. This is what you have to deal with. Uh, this is the, the ignorance of others is my Sisyphean boulder that I have to endlessly push up the hill until I die. Because I have chosen to live this life, because I have chosen to dedicate myself to propping up this music that is largely consumed by and made by children. And uh, yeah, living in a punk house is not all it's cracked up to be, let me tell you. There's good times and there's bad times. I did it for a long time. Yeah. Um, here's the thing. The the yoke of responsibility always usually falls on just one person's shoulders. Right. It seems that there's a, a, a like detente that, especially if you don't know the other people that well that live in the house, and it's sort of a, um, we'll say sort of a revolving door of people mm -hmm. in and out. Um, the, the, the yoke of responsibility always falls upon the person who, uh, I guess has any modicum of respect or responsibility. Right. Um, and there is definitely this, it can devolve into this. Um, and I guess it's the same for any, any cohabitation with anybody, especially roommates and housemates, but there's, there, there evolves this sort of like peering at each other over the trenches, unless somebody does something. Uh, I think probably the main reason that I stopped living in a punk house and doing it was because I got really, really fucking tired of being the dad. Right. Um, that sucks. 
and you would you would think that people adopt um I guess a more reasonable, respectful attitude, but then you have to back yourself up and realize that there's a reason why most of these folks are living in these conditions in the first place. And yes. that uh, if you have any modicum of respect, self-respect, respect for others, responsibility, any motivation towards uh, the music that is above your own lethargy and sloth, um, you are an outlier. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I, and I think that's the thing that many people fail to consider, right? It's that for every person like myself or you who who is simply invested in this music in a serious way, there are people who simply find themselves only existing in these social circles because they do not have the wherewithal to achieve anything else. Right, and it's the only, it's the only substrate that will um, support them. Right, exactly. Um, I personally don't have a lot of material aspirations. We've talked about it on this show before. I am happy with very little. If I have some comic books, some D and D stuff, um, and some records, I am I'm pretty much happy. I do not. I mean, I genuinely don't have material aspirations, pretty much of any sort. As long as I can eat well and I keep a decent roof over my head, I am I am very happy with what I have. I grew up with not a lot, and I'm happy to continue that moving forward in my life. So. Um, but again, it's a lot of people who who find themselves as in my particular income bracket that is impoverished uh, are not here because they don't have material aspirations, but simply because they they do not have the capability to function in a way that allows them to exist in rooms with other civilized people. Or they just lack aspirations altogether. Right. Um, yes. I mean, you know, now I'm glad that you finally took a stand. I told you what last week. Well, I, um, I did. I did, but it, it wasn't, it hadn't gotten that dire yet. I, well, it I, would have gotten immediately dire if I lived in that house. I told you that I would make life a living hell for my roommates. I mean, physical violence would be, would befall them. And right. I'm big enough to get away with that. I could grab that dude, put him up against the wall and tell him I'll fucking kill him if I see him out of his room again. And anytime I hear footsteps downstairs, I'd come charging downstairs to take another tooth, take another trophy back upstairs. <laughs> I would meet that person. And I don't know him. I don't right. know if I've ever seen him. I can guarantee you. I am going, the next time we play at your house, I am going to make his life a living hell. <laughs> okay. And uh, every yeah. time I see him, I am going to harass him. Sick. I love to hear that. Yeah. So, well, I mean, that's, so, that's what should be done. That's what should be done. When, when you're dealing with an incalcitrant loser, um, a recalcitrant loser that um, basically just has zero regard for himself, let alone other people. Right. The only solution is a, a regular and steady diet of knuckle sandwiches <laughs> until they disappear from your life or their will cracks and they realize their mistake. Yeah, that's certainly one approach. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I immediately made it known, hey, this we're putting a moratorium on this after people started coming over initially when this was first all announced and everybody seemed to be amenable to that. And I hadn't had any uh, further issues with it until until today where I, I promptly said, hey, you got to leave my fucking house, man. I, yeah. I don't know what's going on here. But uh, this insanity must cease immediately. And everybody was was chill so it didn't have to escalate at all but yeah if it, if, it, if it happens again i'm probably going to lose my entire shit good uh, years ago go years ago when this so this reminds me of when i used to bounce oh okay and um years ago when i bounced 
uh, people would be generally chill until like the last 90 minutes of the night. Mm-hmm. And that's when people started becoming decidedly unchill, whether it was feelings got hurt or somebody's not getting laid or whether the booze was flowing just a little too strong in folks. That's when things started usually, uh, in my experience, started getting shitty. And that's when you were likely to see something pop off. And the absolute fucking worst, the absolute fucking worst were basically the... Um, I, I, I worked in like a rock and roll bar. Mm-hmm. So for me, from, from you know, and, and, but the absolute worst is always like the the cool guy that has some folks around him that when it's time to go and I come past and I say, hey, guys, uh, you know, 15 minutes, you got to be out of here, um, you know, and then I'm like, I'm, I'm going to come back in like five minutes and remind you. And then I come back in five minutes and be like, yo, you guys got to go because I try to be pretty diplomatic. Right. And um, the cool guy, the cool guy, meaning that. Uh, you know, the, the, the local gentleman or gentlewoman that you would go to to um, procure substances, mm-hmm. um, the hookup person for whatever it was you were you, you were looking for the night, you know what I mean, would generally have some people around them or some people talking to them. And uh, they were always a little shitty. And they were dismissive of the fact that, like, what are you, you going to do, dude? I mean, uh, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning, when it comes, you're out the door. Right. Do you think you have an option here? Right. And uh, the third time, I, if I had to come around three times and ask somebody to wrap it up and go, I wasn't polite about it. I just grab their beer out of their hand, throw it in the trash, and um, if need be, physically remove them. And once that was done, if you grabbed up the fellow that was the, the fellow that was uh, establishing the attitude, right? Mm-hmm. Much in the way it seems that like. Uh, uh, your housemate was the fellow establishing the attitude. When you grab that person up, party was over. Everybody left immediately after that. There was no more need for physical, physical force or anything. Uh, the moment that person hit the floor, the moment that their head was bounced off a table, that was it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I feel that. Um, so hopefully that uh, that effect will uh, will carry over into to, to this situation because yeah. I was I was. Uh, it was, it was my second, it was, like I said, it was the second go around. The first time I was exceedingly polite. This time I was, uh, polite, but very firm. And then as you mentioned, the third time I, it will just be no polite at all. It will right. be full on like, Hey man, I'm going to fucking beat your ass if this doesn't happen. Right. And it's not, uh, I'm going to warn you, I'm just coming and right. <laughs> you know, you better yeah. be ready. Cause I ain't going to give you a warning. You, if you can't tell from the, my posture and, uh, the speed with which I approach and the intent in my eye that something's going to happen, um, that's your fault. <laughs> yes, exactly. So yeah, so I guess that's a little that's a little life lesson for you folks. Uh, if you're a young kid and, and you're thinking about committing the rest of your adult life to this, that's fine. You know what? I fully support it. Just make sure that you brace yourself for the absolute buffoonery and headassery and fuckery that you are going to come up against from your fellow punks for essentially the rest of your natural life. And as long as you have the the mental capacity and the emotional strength and fortitude to withstand that onslaught, uh, you know, you're good to go. That's fine. I, I, I'm 30 years old. I get a little bit tired of it sometimes, but by and large, I navigate it fairly well. 
Um, also, if you hear any sort of yelling or weirdness in the background, that is my roommates. That's another thing that you just have to steal yourself for is the fact that living with any semblance of solitude or peace or normalcy um, is out the window too, because many of the people that you're going to inhabit spaces with are probably alcoholics or drug addicts or, um, well, they're, let's just suffice it to say they're not straight edge soldiers such as myself. So, well, you know, it gets, it gets to what we're, you know, if you're going to co-inhabit with relative strangers, friends is another thing. There's a whole different, there's a whole different, like, I guess, um, line that has to be tread with friends right right but by and large if you know each other you know what's up right sure um but when it becomes a revolving door that's when it starts to suck yeah Uh, i like chaos i'm all for chaos i got no problem with noise um or anything like that i i don't i don't whenever i lived in a house i never squirreled myself away in my bedroom Um, sure i'm fucking renting the entire goddamn house of course i'm going to use the rest of the fucking house you know right. what I mean? Like a lot of people will squirrel themselves in a red bed, and that's the, that's their prerogative. Um, I didn't. Uh, I always liked the come and going of friends and things like that. But um, as you get older, you realize that the for the most part, the only people that are still down with it are horrible. Right. Yeah. Right. And I yep. mean, that's that's the same for most of the punks, too. Like, as you get older, I've said before, it gets harder. This shit just gets harder because it's harder to find people that um are of like mind and i mean that beyond the fact that like what you get into just harder to find people that you can relate to on any level other than the fact that you guys both think you know the dead kennedys are good right yep yeah this is very true and also i was actually reflecting on this earlier as i was sort of just reflecting on my situation more broadly and i was just thinking how how far how far removed the goalposts are for people within our subculture are too for, for just, I guess, normalcy as a baseline, because, you know, reflecting on my adult life too, it's one of those things where it's just like, well, you know, I have definitely, uh, I reap what I sow in a sense, because only within this subculture can a person such as myself be viewed as even remotely quote, having their shit together. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. like, I, you know, I was thinking about the fact that it was a milestone for me that I reflected upon recently that it has been a handful of like four years since I drove to a man's house at 6 a.m. to fight him on his front lawn. Yeah. You know, I was like 26 when that happened. Right. right? For most people, that's never even in the cards. That's never on the table as a possibility, as a thing they might consider reasonable to do. Whereas for me, that was like a personal milestone where I'm like, you know what? I'm not going to do that kind of stuff anymore. And that was a, a mere four or five years ago. So it's just like, on one hand, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> you know what yeah, I mean? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so on that note, let's, uh, let's get into the show for the day. I got the queue pulled up on my phone, so uh, I might be a little slower to look things up just because I don't want to risk my shitty computer crashing. But thanks to all of the uh, Patreon donors, I think within a, a few days we'll have enough uh, donations in the bank for me to order something off of Amazon and hopefully not have to deal with that at all anymore. So... First up, we have Dehumanized with their Progress LP. Uh, No, I'm sorry. We have Program with their Dehumanized Progress LP. This is a band from, like I said, I'm looking on my phone, so everything is a little bit slower and not as conveniently located. Uh, They are a band from Texas, hardcore punk band. Then we have got Spirit Flaw with their Demo 2020. 
Uh, ben Stuckey, who has sent stuff into the show several times, sent this in. They are playing bass in this band. It is a new hardcore band from Philadelphia. I think it is the first band that they have played in. Then we have got um, Boarding House Reach, which is a resubmission. They are a punk band from Chicago that sent something in a few weeks ago. Um, noticed that they uh, that they didn't come up in the queue and wanted to resubmit. They described themselves as maybe similar to early Hot Water Music or Avail uh, or Kid Dynamite or something like that. Yeah, that looks that looks like them. I, I just happen to be looking at them right now. That that sounds about right. Okay. Then we have got Invisible Rays with uh, a single that is up and leaving with a B-side coming around. This is a Boston band. Um, Shane from Anthropophagus and Tortured Skull sent this over, but this is not the usual fare that he sends. It's not like D-beat or metal or anything. This looks to be like 90s alt-rock stuff. Um, the, the, The cover art reflects that for sure. Then we have got Street Weapon with Quick to Die. This is a new band from Virginia Beach. Uh, Anthony from Gel sent this over and highly recommended it. Then speaking of Anthony uh, and Gel in general, we have got Buggy. Buggy is a new band that Anthony and Zach from Gel started up. Um, it is, you know, while so many people are under this self, self-quarantine thing, um, I guess the best thing you can do is pre, be productive. Pre, be productive and they certainly took advantage of that they released this five song demo um i will admit i already listened to it but anthony wanted to submit it to the show uh and it's really really fucking good i mean gel is one of my favorite bands out right now zach is a great drummer anthony's a great songwriter i expected this to be good and it did not did not disappoint i think a physical tape is either out or coming out soon and the artwork was done by john mayo who i think i big upped on the last episode then we have Youth Care, I believe is the name of the band. Um, it is, well, for some reason it it, it went away as I looked, looked this up, but um, I, I believe the name of the band is Youth Care. It was submitted by the person who does it. I think it's just a solo project, like a home recording project that was described as sort of like screamo post-hardcore. So there is a, a somewhat high probability that that will not be for us. Then we have got Shackled, who are a New Jersey hardcore band. I don't know anything about them except for the fact that I've seen their name mentioned a lot recently. From the looks of it, it appears to be maybe heavier, more metallic hardcore, um, but I couldn't tell you for sure. I don't want to judge a book by its cover. Then we have Groin, which is another resubmission. This was in the we- in the queue a few weeks ago. They are a band from Arizona, I believe, a grind power violence band. They uh, resubmitted via the email and said they wanted uh, another shot. And then last up, we have Wicked Slash with their Criminal Cross demo, which uh, I think is only available on YouTube. And this was sent in by a, a listener of the show. And that's uh, that's all we got this week. So if you want to roll the dice, see what's up first. Be okay. My, be my guest. One. Okay, let me see what one is. One is Program with Dehumanized Progress. The Bandcamp is programtx.bandcamp.com. Uh like I said, this is uh, this is a Texas hardcore punk band that's been recommended to me by a couple people for the show, people whose tr- who's, uh, who's opinion I trust. I think maybe Ryan McGrath sent this over, who is a regular listener of the show, and then I think maybe Anthony from Gel recommended it at one point, and I've seen the name sort of just bouncing around. Um, you'll recognize a familiar name in the uh, credits. It was mastered by Willie Killy at Dead Air. Yep. Uh, it looks like a 10-song LP, I want to say. Looks like it. Came out in November of last year. Um, I think that there are members of other maybe 
somewhat prominent Texas area bands, but I could be wrong about that. What uh, what song do we do we want to listen to? The first song is a little long, so it, it might might have an intro in it there. Might have an intro, yeah. And there's no title track. Um, let's just go right into number two. Okay, yeah, we can do that for sure. Breakout. Yeah, so we are going to listen to Breakout by Program off of their LP Dehumanized Progress. <laughs> heard the song breakout by the band program off of their dehumanized progress lp that was pretty good uh good pace um pretty catchy song definitely a circle pitter um good production sounded really good but i mean with uh wilk chamberlain on it what do you expect right Uh, with him being involved in the process sure um and uh i liked I, I, so this is like, this is D beat in the classic sense of uh, a minimalized song structure, relatively speaking, right. and right. minimal lyrics, right? As Discharge would have done. Yep. Um, I like the fact that there's just not a ton of uh, vo- l- lyrical density there. Mm-hmm. Uh, pretty simple idea. Um, I do find that uh, there's some interesting lyrics in the fourth line of that mm-hmm. verse that they repeat. Okay, I didn't. Uh-huh. I didn't actually see that because, like I said, band Bandcamp's laid laid out differently for phone, so I didn't see the lyrics. But I can I can check it out real quick. I'm gonna type it into the chat. Okay, you you don't want to just say it out out loud. I will, but I want to type it so that you can you can uh, see it makes sense what I'm uh, what I'm saying. Oh, okay? I see what I I see what you're saying. <laughs> I see what you're saying. Yeah, to reback to reback re- re- about the hell. The hell in my head. Right. Yes. So there, the last line. I wonder is to, what could that mean. Well, the 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 last line is to break out of the hell that you made. Yeah. I think that the line before it is supposed to say to break out of the hell, the hell in my head. I'm not sure. It seems I a think, pretty. It seems a pretty fucking stupid error to make. To reback bout of the hell, 
the hell in my head. Maybe they're just going for an authentic Japanese hardcore. Yeah, I, that's what I'm thinking too. I think that they're trying because if you notice, they have like the um, Japanese font, right? Uh-huh. Yep. So I mean, this is definitely you know I said like traditional D beat in the vein of, of discharge, discharge, but there's definitely a strong Japanese leaning here, right? Uh, yeah, like with the gruffness of the vocals and sort of for you sure. know I mean it, you know it's good, but yeah. I'm thinking that they're trying to go for some genuine. Um, you know, some jep- genuine like Japanese uh, confusion in the, lyri- <laughs> in the lyrics as well. That that might be because to reback bout of the hell is about as Japanese hardcore lyric as you can get. And and you know what? Uh, congratulations, program. That is extremely subtle. That is um, extremely sly. I like it. It sounds genuine in no way. It's just one error. But right. in no way does it sound, um, you know, like it's a bit in the song. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I. I. I hope that they are, that they were forward thinking enough to make that error on perfect on purpose, and we're not just attributing some cleverness to them that they didn't have. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt because that's a good song. Uh, the artwork okay. is pretty good. Some people are cheering as wires are coming out of their eyes and they're burning. Um, I don't know if they're cheering. I'm not sure well, if that's what's one, happening. The one definitely looks like the one on the right looks like they're cheering. Um, <laughs> so I, I'm gonna I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt and say that that is a very good, intelligent, intentionally confusing typo to make. Congratulations, that was very enjoyable to read back <laughs> bout of the hell, the hell in my head. <laughs> Yeah, I really want to call a song to reback back of to reback bout of the hell now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would like to start like a Japanese hardcore worship band, and the and the title of the rec- record can be reback bout of the hell. Right, but that's the only. That's the only. You can't overdo it. See, right. That's yeah, the that's genius true. program. It's very yeah. subtle. They're yeah, not overdoing true. it. It's not a Japanese tribute band, so it's not overboard with you know the. Uh, the typos and like the syntax errors and like the loss in translation bullshit. It's just one line in one in that song. Now maybe right. the rest of the songs have something like that. I hope not, but that was really good. That's, that's a, that's a pretty uh, smart little maneuver there, fellas. <laughs> so I really, really liked that song. Uh, it was, it was a ripper, as you said, very much in the traditional D beat world with a little extra ferocity added into it, which I always like to hear. Um, I mean, I love the later Swedish and Japanese takes on D-beat stuff that did add that that layer of nastiness into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, not to say that it wasn't present from from Jump. I mean, if you listen to Discharge and Farukers and all that shit, I mean, that stuff is nasty. It rips. There's no denying. Um, but there was just a little bit extra that uh, occurred when you filtered it through those cultural lenses. Yeah. Um, I, and and this recreated that very very well. We've had a couple instances of folks saying that they were D beat bands or D beat influenced. Um, that we sort of that we sort of questioned the accuracy yeah. of that self description. Yeah, this was definitely straight up D beat, uh, but it was executed exactly how I like it to be done. It was not boring. It was not stadium crust D beat like the more boring. Uh, the more boring reaches of the tragedy catalog or something like that. Yep. This was like straight up ripping hardcore punk. Yep. Deep, and, and know. I mean, they have DB in all caps, right. so uh, they're going for it. 
they are going for it and they landed where they wanted to. Uh, gotta gotta give props for executing what you meant to do with uh, the utmost professionalism here because every, everything right down to the production on that was great. It was it, there was a degree of clarity there where I could hear all the riffs, I could hear the vocals, the drum sounded big and awesome, but it was blown out. Everything sounded like it was fucking peaking. It was loud as shit in my headphones. It was it was really good. I, I dug yep. that a lot. Yep. I would definitely like to check out the rest of this. And evidently they've been around since 2014, so that would explain why I've seen the name around uh, quite a few times. Yeah, yeah, a little polished. Yeah, for real. Uh, shout out to program that fucking ruled. I, I am definitely going to listen to the rest of that after this is done. Uh, let's uh, let's roll the dice. See what's up next. We have so I, I think just roll. I don't know, man. Maybe I'll just I'll fi- I'll figure it out because my my phone is set up differently than my computer, where I can't just like drag and drop my internet tabs where I right. want them to. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Just you roll the dice and I'll do the work. Okay. Well, here's what you should do: pen okay. and paper, write the names down on a list, and uh-huh. then just cross them out. Well, I don't have a pen and paper handy, and uh, I'd have to get up and look for it. So all right. Well, I'll do it because I get a bunch. Oh, okay. Well, you can do that, or or like 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 I said, you can you could do it, and I'll work it out. Okay. All right. Here I, we go. Three. Okay. Three is Spirit Flaw. The Bandcamp is spiritflaw.bandcamp.com. This is a Philadelphia hardcore band. As I said, our listener Ben Stuckey plays bass in this band. They said it was their first proper band. Uh. So yo, shout out. Whether or not this sucks or not. Shout out for uh, starting a band. That's sick. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the the artwork for this is cool. It is a uh, Grim Reaper perched, well, sort of, you know, coming up behind the globe and slicing a, a big chunk out of it. Yeah. Behind the earth. Um, this just came out like a day ago, I want to say. Um, March 27th. Yeah. So I don't know any of the other folks in this band. Uh, it's only a five-song demo. We'll uh, we'll skip the intro, maybe go straight into the second song. Agreed. Or or do you want to do the song actually with the? Yes, uh, let's do the. Yeah, we have yeah. we have a song named after the band or vice versa. So we got to right. go with Spirit Flaw. Yeah, we've big up that 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 move several times. So we are going to listen to Spirit Flaw by the band Spirit Flaw off of their demo 2020. All righty. <laughs>
All right, we just heard the song Spirit Flaw by the band Spirit Flaw off of their Demo 2020. Nate? Uh, that was okay. I mean, it was a first proper band, Demo 2020. That's fine. That's a good effort, uh, a good opening effort. It's not a style of hardcore I particularly care about. There's some interesting, there were some interesting thrash parts in there that I thought stuck out to me more than the, than the rest. Yeah. Um, there was something apparently lifted directly from Master of Puppets put in there. Um, and that like opening that, that one main, like opening riff for the verse. Yeah. Um, that down and the down and the down and, um, you know, whether or not that's intentional, a little homage to master of puppets, I suppose. Um, yeah, that wasn't bad. I mean, I laud the effort. It definitely was pretty good. Um, we say this a lot. There was not a lot of, um, I, I, this would have, this would have, uh, picked my ears up more if it were more aggressive. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I, some of that was in the production, which it yeah. is a demo, but the, yeah. the, the, the production was a little bit thin. It could have been fatter for what, for what you guys were going for. Um, I also dug the thrash influence. Um, that said, I thought that, so, so I'll say, I'll, I'll, I'll say the upside of what I'm about to say before I say the downside. The upside is that I really enjoyed the melding of sort of classic influence with some more modern influence uh i dug that in theory a lot Mm. um because you had a sort of like you had like a chorus or a flange effect on the guitar that you hear both in a lot of sort of modern uh art punky arty hardcore kind of stuff like that i really dig but you also hear equally in old thrash like crossover stuff like crumb suckers and shit like that for sure uh and i so i dug that influence being thrown over uh like a more modern break that you threw in there the only problem is is that i think that those particular modern influences that you were channeling with that sort of slammy break that you injected into the verse part and ended the song on i thought really slowed the momentum of the song so i laud the effort of of combining some contemporary influence with a more classic approach and if you refine that in future efforts, I think that it could work really well. But as it stands, I think the influences that you were incorporating took away from that sort of classic thrash flair that I enjoyed about the song. Yeah, I think so too. I think that it was trying to maybe straddle too many lines right. um, and not really digging into one of them to achieve a coherent sort of sound. That that chuggy right. part just to me kind of... I say this a lot because I don't, I don't like... I'm pretty picky with my metallic hardcore. Right. Um, I don't like I don't like the flow to be interrupted a lot of times. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. You know? I feel that. Yeah, and that's that's what I'm saying. I think that, that that slammy breakdown part really really slowed the momentum of that verse, which I thought had like a nice forward motion going to it. So I would have I would have preferred I, I could I think the song would have been a lot stronger without that. But all in all, it was a solid first effort, especially for a first band. Ben, I don't know how much you're writing, if at all, but the playing sounded solid. Um, if if this is, you know, an, an early or first effort for everybody else involved, props. This is way better than a lot of first efforts. Um, and the production wasn't terrible by any stretch of the imagination. It could just be a little bit fatter. And yeah, I, I would have liked to have heard um, a little bit more urgency and a little less reliance on the sort of chuggy, slammy breakdown stuff. That song would have been better without the contemporary beatdown influence. Yeah, because it's not necessary. You know, no. it, 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 it almost, it feels like you're just going through the motions when you do that. I, I think a lot of bands just go through the motions when they're doing that as sort of just throwing a bone to people to say, okay, now you can fucking move. 
Right. Yes, exactly. And that very much felt like the case in this instance. It didn't feel like it served served the song. It felt like you guys wanted to say, oh, hey, we need a mosh part. Right. Yeah. And that's fine. But like, yo, listen to Nuclear Assault. They got mosh parts out the ass, but they're ones that fit the format. Uh, so maybe go back and revisit Crumb Suckers or Nuclear Assault or even fucking Testament or Creator or whatever. You're going to find plenty of mosh parts uh, that are going to work a lot better than sort of a boring, generic slam riff. And that said, maybe they don't want to be a fucking cra- you know, thrash band or a crossover band or anything like that, you know? Um, maybe. They have it in their tags, though, so. Okay. I mean, yeah. I mean, go listen to how Anthrax incorporates fucking mosh parts into their songs. For, for fucking real. I right. mean, you can't, you can't get a whole lot better than that. No. Uh, but like I said, all in all, laudable effort. Not bad at all. Uh, was not mad at that. I'm looking forward to hearing more. Um, maybe, maybe a little bit more in my lane in the future. But that said, it wasn't that far outside of my wheelhouse. It just, it could use, uh, could use a little bit of refinement. But that's what you expect from a demo. By and large, pretty, pretty good. Now I got keep it in a family stuck in my head. Oh, that God fucking Lord. marsh part at the beginning of that song, dude. What a fucking riff. <laughs> so goddamn good. Um, all right, all right. On that note, let's uh, let's roll the dice to see what's up next. But shout out to uh, Spirit Flaw. It was solid first effort. Uh, seven. All right, one sec. One, two, three, four, five, six, and seven. Okay, seven is the buggy demo. So like I said, this is members of of Gel. It's Anthony and Zach. The Bandcamp is buggy, B-U-G-G-Y-H-C.bandcamp.com. Mm-hmm. The name is derived from the name of Anthony's cat. Uh, the art depicts that as well. It appears I see to that. Be it appears to be uh, the head of a cat on a leather jacketed and booted up punk smashing through a brick wall. As I and said, the-, the artwork is done by John Mayo, who I recently had to artwork for the Code of Violence EP, is doing art for my band Antlers as Roots EP, and is doing art for a ton of fucking bands right now. Well, what were you going to say, Nate? I was going to say the cat's not doing his job, though. There's a bunch of rats getting away from him. Well, I yeah, that's true. I mean, I, John Mayo should have like made the cat like you know slashing the rats with a halberd or something like that. I I saw I saw an, uh, a a t shirt design that they did today that John did um, that is the same cat who is ha, has a big like a well kind of like a, a dog catcher's net, but he has caught a member of the, the the KKK in a dark alley, and I dig the shirt design quite a lot. But okay. the, even in that one, there is a rat that appears to be getting away. Yeah. So, I mean, that's cool that, that Buggy's catching members of the KKK. They deserve to be netted up and beat senseless, but uh, he, not really doing his job because the rats are all getting away. Well, that's also unrealistic art because you're not going to find a lone KKK member suited up in a dark alley. Right. Ever. Yeah. Yeah. It is important that we, we stress realism in our punk and hardcore. Yeah. And that's especially absurd. when they're. Especially when they're anthropomorphic cat punks. Right. I mean, have you ever seen a KKK member just out and about by themselves? No. No, no, but that would be that would be a sick thing to witness yeah. <laughs> to see just one guy fully suited up in public. Yeah, I mean, at that point you have to say, "All right, respect." <laughs> yeah, dude, you know what I mean? Real. Like you suck, dude, but fuck, at least you're living that life, right? <laughs> Yeah, for real, man. You have the gall to come out here, no homies to back you up whatsoever, in public, not, not. I mean, frowned upon in pretty much all polite society, and you're fully in uniform, broad daylight, yo, you are, you're walking, you're walking the talk at the very least. Yeah, you're living that life, I suppose. 
Um, so the I let's let's just listen to the first song on this. Okay. Smooth Talker. It's pretty pretty accurate. Uh, it's a it's a yeah pretty accurate representation of the song lengths for throughout the entire record. And uh, from what I remember, it's a banger. All of the songs on this are bangers. It's four songs plus a negative approach cover. We talked the other week about how uh, you know there there are only a couple songs that ne- like negative approach songs that bands tend to cover. Luckily, this is not one of the ones that I often see bands cover. This covered. is an it, uncommon song to cover by Negative Approach. And it's one of my favorite Negative Approach songs. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And actually, I have some Negative Approach talk after we get done talking about Buggy that I would like to go into. But for now, let's listen to Smooth Talker about by Buggy off of their demo. Okay. I'm going to say some bad words. You're just going to have to deal with it. heard the song smooth talker by the band buggy off of their demo which was just released a few days ago nate uh that was really good i like that a lot i like that main riff that uh dun, 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 dun. that was really good yep, yep for that's sure. super catchy yeah, um, and, and that is that is again we i almost feel like sometimes we should just rename the show to rock and roll based hardcore is the best hardcore <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for real. That has become our mantra. Right. Um, yeah. It's formulaic, right? Like that's definitely formulaic. They're not trying to do anything new. And sure. we said before, I don't need you to innovate. Imitation or continuation is just fine, right? Right. Um, yeah, that was really good. It sounds like a million other fucking bands, right? I mean, that sounds right. like it could come out of, you know, that it could be on quality control or, you know, be in the mix of some of those Boston bands as well. Sure. Um, it sounds like a million other bands, but generally speaking, that's a good sound. Um, I yeah, don't definitely. find it oversaturated yet. Maybe there will come a time when I'm, you know, I'm ready to hear something new. And sometimes, yeah, I mean, I guess in my own private listening, I don't always put that stuff on, but mostly that's because not everybody in my house likes to listen to that shit constantly. Right. Um, but as it stands, so far in 20 years, 20, no, 20, 25 years, I have never gotten bored of hardcore that sounds like this. Yeah, ex- yeah, exactly, exactly. 
Um, yeah, the format is just great. It is a little bit more formulaic than something like gel, right? Gel takes a little, uh, a few more chances, right? but I think that's what Anthony was going for with this stuff. He just wanted to write some like simple rock and rip and hardcore and 100% achieved that. Uh, Anthony does everything on this except for drums, which like I said, Zach from gel plays drums on this. I think they recorded these. I don't know if they recorded these separately or if this was recorded before quarantine stuff started happening. Um, but yeah, it's just really good, solid fucking rock and hardcore. That main riff is incredibly catchy. Um, you know, it's, it is music that is built to fucking side to side to, it is the perfect iteration of basement hardcore. It's stuff that's not ever going to go off in huge rooms. It could, you know, it can, right. it can maybe you can light up a fucking VFW hall with that. It's not ever going to be the fucking headline, uh, the headliner of the fest because, you know, kids that go to fest want to hear fucking mosh, mosh bands. But right. to me, that's, that's hitting like the perfect sweet spot of what I want from hardcore. There's some speed in there, aggressive vocal delivery, catchy riffs, fun mosh part, uh, you know, uh, brief songs, but still enough to have some meat on the bones. Yeah. It's great. You know, plenty, it's really plenty, fucking good. Plenty of like good aggro floor Tom action. Um, right. Which a floor Tom beat, you know, I, I was, I was just now, um, checking the, to see where we're at, um, to see where the numbers are at. And we are, uh, we're rising higher and higher, faster and faster. We're still in that that early stages of exponential growth, um, and uh, it's an exciting thing to see. Uh, we're rising higher and higher with the coronavirus, and uh, I think we've crossed a hundred known one hundred twenty one thousand infected in the United States so far. Okay, um, and uh, you know it'll pick it up steam, man. I mean the uh, the train is the train is a rolling, man. Right, it's going and uh, it's picking up steam and and. Uh, you know, love it or hate it, you have to admit it's exciting. But I was reading on uh, John Hopkins also, like some of the preventative measures, and uh-huh. it has been shown that um, floor tom beats, oh. weirdly enough, are uh, effective in um, social distancing and uh, repelling so- uh, coronavirus transmission. No shit. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's perf- that's you and I are not going to get sick then. Right. There's no, there's no doubt about it because right. I ingest a steady diet of floor tom mosh beats. Right. Right. So uh, I'm just uh, there's some hope out there. Yeah, that's good. Well, it's good that that Anthony and Zach are doing their part to help better the world. You know. Right. Because um, I think there's there's some more on this demo. So they're doing they they have a high concentration. Yeah. You know, and, and to get back to the NA thing. Um, so we talked about, you know, this is not innovative hardcore and he wanted to get back to meat and potatoes hardcore and there's nothing wrong with that. And there is nothing wrong with that. A lot of your favorite bands started that way, right? Right. Um, ceremony. Yeah. Right. Pretty close sure. to meat and potatoes hardcore in their, in their you know, you know, in their er- earliest incarnations. And right. they use that as the foundation to sort of branch out whether you like them now or not. Right. Sure. Um, but um, it doesn't mean that it's not lasting and significant. I mean, the total discography for Negative Approach. How many songs, different songs, do they have their their entire repertoire? Um, uh, like twenty. That's what I'm gonna say. Like twenty. Minor Threats. Yeah. What? Twenty three. Yeah. Nineteen. Twenty. Twenty one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's a small, a small output. Right. It's 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 a really small output, but you never fucking get tired of hearing them, and 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 they're still. They're still going with that, you know? Yep. Yep. For and, sure. Uh, 
I don't think there's anything wrong with that. If you listen to all the other, you know, John Brandon vehicles, Laughing Hyenas and Easy Action and, and um, but if you listen to his, his other projects, it basically just sounds like, um, it sounds like a slightly more polished or slightly more take on negative approach. Yeah, there's just like a little bit more rock and roll injected into it. Right, right. With, you know, a different name. Yep. And I kind of think that that's ideal. Um, 100%. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I honestly probably would not be interested in negative approach if they had like seven, eight, nine, ten albums. And somewhere in the, you know, somewhere after like the second or third release started dramatically shifting their sound and sounding totally different that's a hard thing for a band to pull off is that longevity but also relevance and you know keeping your 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 traditional audience interested at all for sure you know for sure i mean what kind of we, we talked about master of puppets earlier what kind of fucking you know burger munching barbecue moron actually wants to go to see metallica and see them play anything past master of puppets or or not master of puppets but um anything after uh, justice for all right yeah you have to be a fucking cretin yeah for sure um yeah this is a very hard thing to pull off you're you're not wrong at all so that said you know uh taking a sort of more traditionalist approach to this shit and minimizing your output it's not a not a bad move as a hardcore band. We've said many times, you know, there a, a lot of bands in this ilk. I don't need a lot of output from. I need a couple seven inches. You know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe an LP if you're really good, and at that, keep it to like a fifteen to eighteen minute long LP. You know, the best the best physical format for hardcore is a 45, 12 inch. Yeah, I can agree with that for sure. That's the best physical format. Yeah, that's give me like it, it gives me more music than a seven inch. Uh, it's it, it's got that volume because it's forty five. It's it sounds good, um, and but it doesn't it doesn't drag on right. It doesn't it doesn't force you to either underutilize the thirty three RPM twelve inch, um, but it's a nice size platter of vinyl. It fits nicely in your collection. It doesn't stick out like a ten inch, right? And uh, it's not as let's face it, seven inches are inconvenient. Um, sure. I mean, they're cool. I've got lots. I don't buy them nearly as much as I do 12 inches just because they're a little more inconvenient, I think. I feel you. I and Which is interesting, though, because I buy w- probably way more 7 inches than I do. Yeah, LPs. I know. I buy a shit ton of 7 inches. I really, really like the format. It is more inconvenient, no, no doubt, but uh, I think it's an interesting format in that it demands that if a band wants to put out a 7-inch that is worth its fucking weight they have to put their best foot forward. There can be no filler tracks. It's got to be all killer. Yeah. So, and I, yeah. 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 And I, I feel like tw- uh, that. Okay. So you're right. It has to be all killer, but that's not always the case. What was that band? Um, Jackal from Florida. Mm-hmm. Sounded really good. Had like a seven yeah. inch that was like three minutes of fucking music. Right. Fucking eat a dick. Right. Right. Sure. Sure. Oh, are you fucking kidding me? Right. Yeah. yeah no, that's not even enough music to fill up a fucking a fucking five inch. Right. You know what I mean? Like, come on, guys. What the fuck? So they don't you are forced to put your best foot forward, but that doesn't mean you're going to or that, you know, you'll actually utilize it. I don't know. I like I like the twelve inch forty five simply because it gives me a little more than a seven inch. It allows me to sort of sit down 
and pay attention to the liner notes, pay attention to the art, pay attention to the lyrics. Um, and, uh, you know, it gives me time to like digest the, the total package of the physical release, um, without having to get up and flip it immediately. Right. Yeah, no, that's true for sure. Um, I, I don't think you're wrong at all. I think it's probably the most ideal format, but for some reason, uh, I just, I really, I really like a seven inch for, I mean, in, just in terms of collectability, I don't know why I just really, I like a seven inch. There's something about it. Well, they are more convenient in terms of storage. So that is true. That is true. Um, so before we go into talking about negative approach, cause I have a couple things I want to talk about with, with, uh, that are specifically negative approach related, okay. um, and may lead, may lead to a tangent. I just want to say one more time, this buggy stuff is really good. Nate, definitely check out the rest of the demo. It's all really fucking good. Um, whenever this comes out on a physical format, which I know it's, like I said, it's dropping on a tape pretty soon. I am definitely going to order a copy. Um, if this becomes a touring project, would be happy to book it in Fort Wayne for sure. All in all, as I would expect from half of the gel camp, this is really fucking good. Very solid effort. Dig it a lot. Everybody should check it out. Yeah. Um, so on that note, negative <laughs> approach. So... I talked about this in the Facebook group yesterday, I want to say. Um, I recently saw Pat, Pat Kindland from Worst Possible Timeline, Axe to Grind, Drug Church, Self-Defense Family, etc. Make a claim uh, that at first glance seems insane. And upon, actually upon further investigation, is kind pretty, pretty insane. Because many of his music... Uh, opinions. I, I think as somebody in the group said, when they're right, they're revelatory. When they're wrong, they're fucking laughable. That I, I agree with that analysis. And uh, I often think he's wrong. But he made the claim that symbols are a useless instrument, that they are basically a cheat code that provide a false sense of dynamics, but don't actually sound good or do anything to add to the actual dynamic feel of a song. They are just when you can't figure out a way to convey some sort of dynamic shift, you just add a symbol in. <clears throat> and by and large, I don't think that's true. But there are some instances where that's done, and symbols are sometimes overused. There's no doubt about that. That said, I went back and I listened to the first Negative Approach 7-inch. Like, half of the songs on that record don't have, like, any symbols, or if they do, it's like... It's almost no hits. You you know that fucking Ready to Fight doesn't have a single symbol hit in the entire song. Yeah. Not even hi-hat. As, as I listen to it in my head, I, yeah, that, that seems about right. No no hi-hat, no symbol, nothing. Uh, sick of talk. No, who's knocking on my door? Nate. What? What? Nate. What, what's up? I'm recording a podcast. Oh, shit, sorry. What, what's up? I was just going to tell you that I just, uh, I'm a Twitch affiliate now. Oh, sick. Everybody, my brother's a Twitch affiliate now, so congratulate him. Um, so yeah, that, so sick of talk. I, I don't even uh, know what the fuck that means. <laughs> I, I would not expect you to. Um, so sick of talk, I think, has uh, no symbols in it whatsoever and nothing, which as we have said many times, well, you know, time and time again, the seven-inch version of nothing has only eight symbol hits in the entire song. So uh, I started thinking about other bands that you know, don't utilize symbols and don't suffer for it or at least songs or records. And there are way more instances than you would think like Adam and the ants, great fucking band, no symbols at all. Hmm. Not a, not, not a single symbol. Like it's, it's literally all just Tom snare and bass drum. Um, 
there, yeah, there are more examples than you would think. I, I came up with a couple other hardcore examples. I can't recall what they were off the top of my head, but there are more examples than you would think. So uh, I challenge if anybody's not part of the Facebook group yet, uh, join up. There's a thread going on there, but you know, I don't know. Think about it. I, I thought the first Jesus and Mary Chain record, which is one of my favorite records of all time, Psycho Candy, there's not a single symbol on the entire record. Well, I mean, as an innovation, symbols are definitely you know, I would assume a, a newer innovation than uh, drums. Well, yes, certainly. And so I guess, yeah, I mean, it's it's not, especially for something like negative approach or, or, or primitive sounding hardcore, of course, mm -hmm. right? I think right. that as nothing more than a punctuation point, right? Right. Like yeah. nothing as I'm, as I'm thinking about it, you know, pretty much it's just like, maybe I'm wrong here, but the symbol hits are like, when you know there's like a there's like a an emphasis in the song like tomorrow seems hopeless can't keep it up my mind you know and then there's a symbol hit in there to accentuate the emphasis on a word or something like that yeah they just sort of put they just sort of put it at the end of a couple bars you know what okay. i mean it's just it's it's it is kind of a punctuation mark in a sense yeah um but yeah they just kind of stick it at the end of a, of a few of a few phrases it's like right. i said there's eight hits in the entire song and somebody pointed out in the discussion because i said yo i'm not trying to i'm not trying to cape up for pat's ludicrous opinion here that cymbals are like a completely useless instrument because that's an absurd take um, but it just, it did force me to think about music, like the music that I enjoy a little bit more and think about symbols critically. And, uh, that was an interesting wormhole that I just kind of wanted to bring up to the, anybody who listens to the show, but isn't part of the Facebook group. You should, uh, you should go through your record collection, go through some of your favorite bands and, uh, and look for songs without symbols because you might be surprised at how many of them there are and, uh, how many of them are like incredibly effective. It was, it was a weird thing for me to think about cause I'd actually, I'd never considered it before. Yeah, maybe the fact that so so I mean the fact that you weren't even thinking about it, you know, right. um, you can't recall hearing the symbols. Like there are certain bands that rely heavily on symbols. Um, sure, you know a lot of Japanese hardcore bands. Um, you know, uh, a lot of like metal bands. Like right off the top sure. of, you know, inner armor using symbols to sort of set the mood. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I'm not a musician, but the fact that I have a hard time picking out exactly where symbols are in songs. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Maybe he's got a point. But then maybe also that kind of speaks to the, um, I guess, the subtle and tactful use of them as well. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, like I said, it's just a, you know, a, a little aside, nothing, nothing too crazy. It was just one of those things that came up into my head because we were talking about negative approach and that, that discussion just happened yesterday and it was pertinent to negative approach. Also relating to negative approach, um, I was, uh, I, I re-listened to their entire discography yesterday and which again, as we said, is incredibly brief. That's a thing you can do in a single sit down with no, no, no trouble at all. And I was listening to those few live tracks that are tacked at the end of Total Recall. Yeah. Um, like Genocide, um, and a couple of ones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the last one on there, which I forget the name of off the top of my head because I am very bad with song names in general. The last one on there, I hadn't listened to it in a long time because typically I don't put on total recall I'll just like put on the seven inch or I'll put on tie down I have like physical copies of that shit uh -huh. um the last song on total recall which I think is the last new song that they ever wrote came out in 84 it was from a live performance in Boston in 84 dude it is 
legitimately insane what a portent of things to come that song is. And it made me start thinking really hard about like what a second negative LP, negative approach LP would have sounded like because it's way faster. It's way more metal leaning, but like, especially with John Brandon's vocal delivery at that time, which at that point had shifted over to the vocal the, the delivery that you hear live now, right? which is right. just sort of a bestial fucking like, yeah, he's you know, not really guttural saying things so much as he's just howling into the mic. Right, exactly. Uh, so when you hear it over that live recording with the super fast, like metallic strumming, like tremolo picked, like Paul muted tremolo picked strumming and John Brandon's vocals, th- those style of J- John Brandon's vocals over top of it, it basically sounds like proto black metal in a way. Hmm. And it totally foretold, like you should go back and listen to it if you haven't listened to it in a while. It totally foretold and predicted what bands like Integrity would start doing six, seven years down the road. It's really, really wild how ahead of its time that song was. And I hadn't listened to it for literally for years. Um, And it blew me away when I listened to it last night. I was just like, holy shit, this song was ahead of its time. Well, I can't recall the song you're you're talking about, um, but... It's the last song on Total Recall. Tunnel Vision. Yeah, Tunnel Vision, yep. I can't recall what that sounds like, but I know, because I've I've listened to that, I've listened to that discography time and time and time and time again. And um, when genocide is played and and it, it is definitely an outlier um mm-hmm. when you think about how all their other songs are played and sure. Gen- genocide was i think put on a seven inch maybe put out like 2012 uh friends of no one friends of no one um but yep. i think that's the first time it was ever actually put on a physical release as a proper recording um, yeah and i honestly can't think of what that song sounds like on that that proper recording right now but it definitely those songs even even the fucking na songs right mm-hmm. um the like the, the classics right because genocide is paired up with ready to fight or nothing or something like that they go from one song into the other um, yeah maybe but um even when they're paired up with that they're playing their old songs with a lot more speed and just feral attitude yeah, um, for sure. And yeah, I mean, the song, that song, Genocide, the songwriting is completely different than what they were doing toward the end of their, you know, career with like Evacuate and and stuff like that. Right, for sure. No, for sure. Like I said, it's just uh, an, an, interesting, an interesting thought experiment. I was just thinking about like if there was an entire negative approach LP that kind of pursued those thoughts yeah I, I think i think it would have been a ripper but we got easy action we got laughing hyenas and those records are all fucking great too yeah. so um so on that note after our our long negative approach and symbol related aside let's uh let's roll the dice and see what we got next okay. we got time for a couple more we got nothing better to do that's for sure that's for sure uh one again all right let's see how i reorganize this Okay, so one on my on my special reorganized thing is Invisible Rays. The Bandcamp is invisiblerays.bandcamp.com. The release is Up and Leave with the B-side coming around. I'm not sure if this was actually released on a 7-inch, but I imagine it is. It's, it's laid out to be like a 7-inch, so either they're pulling the wool over our eyes and, and trying to trick us, or this is actually available somewhere on a physical format. Um. Like I oh this was uh this was mastered by Will Killingsworth too. Yeah. 
Yep, there we go. Will, as you as you deemed uh, dubbed him, Wilk Chamberlain. Um, let's just go ahead and listen to the uh, the A side off of this, I suppose. Okay, up and leave. So, yep. So we are going to listen to "Up and Leave" off of the seven inch of the same name by the band Invisible Rays from Boston. All right. We just heard the song Up and Leave by the band Invisible Rays from Boston. Um, so so I, I didn't mind that at all. I thought it was really well executed. Um, the recording was good. I, I like jangly indie rock for sure. Um, but there was something about that that just... it. 
it just didn't quite didn't quite grab me. Um, it was it was pulling influence from a lot of stuff that I enjoy. You know, uh, you know, it's pulling from Lemonheads and a lot of other sort of early '90s. Any anything from late '80s to early to mid '90s sort of college rock, like that is squarely in the college rock lane, which I don't think is a label that's utilized really anymore, but at one time was essentially a synonym for indie rock. Um, all of these things have sort of lost their original contextual meaning over the years as culture has changed and so many things have been co-opted by media outlets to mean things that they didn't initially mean. But yeah, this would have been, uh, this totally would have existed alongside uh, a band like, even like, later era dbs or something like that um so yeah i don't know what it is about this that isn't really catching me um but it just didn't i don't know like like i said i'm not mad at this at all i thought it was really well executed the production was good the songwriting was solid but uh so i don't i guess i don't really have anything bad to say about it but uh i don't think i don't know that i'm gonna revisit it either yeah i come off the same way i don't i want to like this better than i did yeah. Um, to your point of sounding like a lot of college rock from the early '90s, it does. But I think the thing that stood out for me was like it was kind of like the production, the modern production on it uh, didn't do any favors for me. Mm -hmm. um, there's just sort of like a there's just sort of like a I don't know a bit of uh, I, I like a lot of that that '90s college rock stuff in the it's it's a bit more i guess lo-fi right for sure you know yeah. um and that's the equipment they were using of the era i'm sure too to a certain extent but there was like you know this sort of like intentional lo-fi-ness to it this right. sounded it was really cloyingly like i don't know it, it was cloying and just a little too modern sounding like a modern take on that stuff for my liking yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I I, I get what you're saying. I, I think that here's 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 what it sounds at some, certain points. There were certain points that I really I really liked, and then at other points, it just straight sounded like the extended version soundtrack release version of the theme song for a sitcom from <laughs> 2002. <laughs> Right. Yeah. No, I feel you for sure. I, I think I was going to, the way I was going to describe it is I, I think it's aiming for 90s college rock, but maybe the cleanness of the production, um, it lends itself more to something like third eye blind. Yeah. At, mo at moments. Yeah. 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 And, and that said, I, I kind of like the Third Eye Blind record for what it is, but that's an outlier with my taste. I don't like a whole lot of shit that's like that. I think that the songwriting on that record is really good. There's some slappers, but even at that, I don't revisit it very frequently. And I certainly don't like a lot of bands that take influence from that. Um, and I think, yeah, like I said, just, I, I don't want to, this sounds like a disparaging comment. I mean, I guess it is a disparaging comment, but I, I guess I don't, I don't mean it from the, I'm not saying it with my chest. I don't mean it from the bottom of my heart here, but there was just a certain aspect of, of, of this that felt almost a little soulless. It yeah. felt like it, it, it more felt like a pristine execution of form without a whole lot of substance for me to sink my teeth into, I guess. I guess that's, that's the feeling that, that describes the feeling um, that I had when I said like, it sounded like the extended cut of the theme song for a fucking sitcom. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. If, if And I know, and I'm not claiming that this is the case, because obviously these are people in the year 2020 going for trying to recreate a, a sound that's close to their hearts. But but the way that the delivery ultimately felt was like this was a version of indie rock, like Uncanny Valley indie rock. Like it was being marketed to me by an exec. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And they, I, Absolutely. It, it sounded al- like algorithmic. Right, exactly. And and maybe that's just because these folks are really good songwriters and really good players and they knew exactly what they were going for. Um, but so much, as you mentioned with sort of the lo-fi production, I think in the same way, so much of what's attractive to me about that late 80s, early 90s college rock stuff is the innovation and the experimentation, the amateurism, um, the rough around the edges aspects that make it a little bit more adjacent to punk rock. Yeah. Um yeah, this, you know. this, yeah, that's it. it. This, this was not as adjacent to you know a punk origin or um, an amp. Like, yeah, this just wasn't as adjacent to punk rock as I would have liked it to be. Right, for sure. This was this was not K Records. This was like post Nirvana. Capital Records were signing up all the bands with guitars. Yeah, this wasn't this wasn't like mall shopping music. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't far off, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. You know right. what I mean? And this was like that song that we're like, oh, this is kind of a this is kind of a banger, you know? Right. Kind of. I, I like that part, but at the same time, I don't like it enough to figure out who the fuck is doing it and like <laughs> right. go track it down. Yeah, for sure. If it feels very well, you mentioned like the era, you know, it feels very reminiscent of like turn of the century radio rock when you got a lot of stuff that i like i said we've we've talked about uncanny valley hardcore that was like uncanny valley indie rock where like the songs were kind of slappers as you mentioned but like you didn't buy the record you know what i'm saying like like the von bondies or whatever Right. right like they had a track that i remember that was sick and it was totally like on a you know you could find that probably on a fucking hollister gene cd sampler from 2003 right 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 and it was a slapper. And if I hear it, I'm like, yeah, you know what? This is a banger. But I don't listen to a Von Bondi's record. And it was very transparently a, a corporate maneuver to try to like sell kids, a, a, you know, a particular sound. Yeah. Um, and again, I'm not saying that's that's what this is. It's just that for whatever reason, it's reminiscent of that more so than it is the 90s bands that I think they're trying to emulate. Yeah. And, and two things I wish... I wish there were lyrics to the song. Yeah, true. Um, because that can make all the difference for me. If if those lyrics were, you know, in any way like sarcastic, you know, you know what I mean? Right. Sure. Because I've talked before how like I don't I don't feel things. You know what I mean? Like I just don't. <laughs> right. right. I don't. Yeah. I God, I wish I could. Right. I wish yeah. I could feel feel a you know a thing other than vacillating between indifference and near blinding fury. Um, and like, you know, like cynical mocking joy, right? Those, right. those are the, those are the, the three, uh, corners of my triangle of emotion. Um, sure. um, and I wish I got, I, I wish I could feel anything else, but, uh, a lot of times, like if there is, you know, if, if, if something like cynical and sarcastic is wrapped up in a package like that, mm. I'm going to like it. Sure. Um, and the other thing, you know, what would have made me like this better? Yeah, for sure. If there were a woman singing, yep, <laughs> definitely. I, I I had the exact same thought when I was listening to it. <laughs> I was like, man, if a woman were singing over this, I, I would, I, I would like it. 
a lot more. So much more forgiving. Yep, for sure. Yep, for sure. Like I said, I just I like I like the sound of the female voice over jangly indie rock more than I more than I do to more than I do with dudes. You know, I'll 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 take uh, I'll take Juliana Hatfield over any day over most of her male contemporaries. Yep. Um, But again, this was in no way bad. It was really good at what it was doing. And I didn't dislike it. I, in fact, I almost liked it, but there was just uh, yeah, something about it for me just, just wasn't, wasn't quite hidden. The name Invisible Rays is a perfect, inscrutable indie band name. It is. That is true. Yep. You know what I mean? You don't really know what you're going to get coming into that. It's one of those things where, depending upon the record store that you're in, depending upon how they organize things, um, the worst organization, of course, is, is just rock pop. Right. Yes. That's the yeah, fucking talk, worst. We, right. We talked about that when we were at Reckless uh, right. a few weeks ago. Um, the another another bad one because Reckless is guilty of this is really 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 fucking blurring the lines between like garage indie and hardcore and punk. For sure. Um, yeah. So where you can find, you know, you could find, for instance, a you know Ronert Park LP mixed in mm-hmm. with the garage indie because of who ceremony sounds like, of what ceremony sounds like now. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which sucks. I don't want to, I don't want to dig through a bunch of fucking bands that I don't know with inscrutable names, like invisible rays, hoping that maybe I'll find something, you know what I mean? Like that just irritates me. No, for sure. Um, so this is perfect for that section of a, uh, a record store. Like it's, it's (laughs) a perfect name for that. Yeah, that is true. 100%. This is a band that I would flip by as I was hoping to find something I really wanted to get. And if and if um, they didn't sound like this, then a band like Invisible Rays would be, you know, weirdo fucking, uh, you know, weirdo liquids-esque, you know, um, 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 Eric Nervous style punk rock. Right. Yeah, NWI stuff. Yep. I, I, it, it's still my mission to figure out where the fuck Eric Nervous is actually from. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Because like it's like we mentioned before, he's from Northeast Indiana. His band is from Kalamazoo. There's nowhere in Northeast Indiana. There's Fort Wayne, Auburn, and Angola are, are the only remotely notable towns, right? And then like a bunch of just satellite towns. Yeah, um, and, and and Auburn and Angola. Oof, you know what I mean? Like, right? Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I'm still baffled as to where that man is actually from because, uh, and I guess the the new Liquids LP just dropped recently. I haven't listened to it like maybe last week or something. Yeah, it's but, pretty uh, good. Eric Nervous recorded it. Yes. Um, and so I was listening to Eric Nervous last night, and, and yeah, that that dude, like I said, was just on my mind. I was like, where is that dude, and why have I never seen him at any Fort Wayne shows? Yeah. Um, but yo. Let's uh let's uh let's move on from Invisible Rays. I'll give it I'll give it one last quick shout out and say, you know what? I think you guys are doing exactly what you aim to do and more power to you for that. The execution was there, um but something about it just wasn't quite catching me. Uh but I'm sure it will catch many other people. It was it was very well done. Yeah, it was a pleasant sound, but I don't fucking trust it, right? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's uh let's roll the dice and do uh we got time for one more at least. 4. Okay. 1 Two, three, four. Okay, four is Boarding House Reach. The Bandcamp is boardinghousereachchi.bandcamp.com. So, like I said, this is a resubmission that came in. I think it was initially submitted to me by a friend of the band, and the band listened. They heard their name come up in the queue, but 
you know, heard that we didn't land on them. So they went ahead and resubmitted it themselves via the email and described it as being, you know, maybe in the vein of Avail, some Kid Dynamite influence, some early Hot Water Music influence. As you and I have discussed on the show before, those are all bands that we really like, but that we don't like a ton of bands that are pulling influence from them. We've had like one or two bands on the show that I thought did a really good job of that. Um, but it's a very like with the well, like with what we just listened to. At least for our tastes, it's a super fine line to walk. Um, so this could go one of two ways for me. Yeah, and it's it's because a lot of those for me anyway. A lot of those bands mentioned as influences are such singular sounds, right? Like there's sure. no way to sound like Hot Water Music without it being a fucking trope, right? Yeah, for sure. You know, sure. they're they're just really singular sounds. Now that said, I'm looking at the picture of these fellas. They've obviously mm-hmm. been around. Um, we, it's it's a safe bet. I don't know any of them. Why would I? But it's a safe bet that they have uh, definitely been around the block a few times. For sure. Yep. They um, look they they look like some dads. I see an Iron Sheik shirt, which yeah, is a power uh, trip shirt. Oh, there's a power trip shirt in there. Yeah. Oh yeah, there is. Yep. Yep. Yeah, um, so, I'm uh, trying to look at the tattoos. There's an Avail tattoo right at the guy that right there, the guy with the bald head, right? Uh, let me see. Wait, there's a dude with... Oh, yep, yep, yep. I there's an Avail it. tattoo right there. Um, mm-hmm. There's also a Celtic knot in band, so that's stupid. Um, <laughs> you know, come on. No one gives a shit if you're fucking Irish. No one gives a shit about that stuff. That, that, But that tattoo informs you that this dude is of an age. He's been around for a minute. For sure. Go back for 20 sure. years, you know, p- plenty of people are getting shit like that. Right, definitely. Um but you know this the other the other thing with music like this uh, when you haven't heard it yet but music that cites those bands as influences is that it can very easily become dad bar music or barbecue punk yes um, it just becomes is, it, it becomes like um a pity party of reminiscence right and that is anathema to yes. me it's yeah, it is antithetical to everything that i like about punk and hardcore yep. but again it's 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 possible it's it's possible to land in a, in a sweet spot and do it right so hopefully these guys fall there so let's just listen to the uh the first song on here it is a two song release uh looking south and stretch me out so let's listen to looking south okay That it's 
All right, that was the song Looking South off of the release All for Nothing by Boarding House Reach from Chicago. So that was, I think, an unreleased rehearsal track between um, Dixie and, or maybe 4 a.m. Friday and Over the James. <laughs> you think so? I don't think it was up to speed to make it to Over the James, and it was too transitional to make Dixie. They were like, eh, I don't know if that's going to hit Dixie or not. And uh, it just wasn't up to snuff with the rest of the songs and over the James. <laughs> there you go. Um, so I got certain feelings about this song. Um, okay. I got certain feelings about, we, we kind of hinted at like the uh, um, we, last episode. Was the last episode when we were talking about the, uh, the, the uh, dad showing up at the Avail show? Yeah, yeah, we did, and right. and these guys are from from Chicago. Guaranteed, so they, they were, were bummed. But they hopefully, were, hopefully, they got word that the show was canceled before they showed up at the venue. Right. At least they didn't drive three hours like us. Right. Um. So good for you guys. Um. Here's the thing. I, I want to acknowledge these dudes are. You know, if you if you buy those tracks, all proceeds go to a uh, um, legal fund for like educate legal and education fund for like immigrants and stuff like that. Stuff oh, like sick. That. So that's, that. so that's, that's dope. dope. Um, yeah. you know, you are definitely, um, holding true to the, the, the DIY indie spirit of a lot of nineties bands. For sure. Uh, so big props for that. Um, musically that was perfectly good. Right. Um, but why would I listen to that when I can listen to over the James? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, for sure. And not only that, and so, so we talked about, I said, hot water music, avail, um, to a lesser extent, Kid Dynamite, I think. But a lot of those bands that, you know, evoke f- feelings of nostalgia for certain folks, um, you know, are of a singular nature. You can't try to sound like hot water mu- music without just sounding like a, a, a shitty ripoff or a joke, right? Right, yeah. I think it, ki- it kind of goes the same with Avail. Now, that wasn't necessarily shitty. Mm-hmm. Um, it just, what's the point? Right, yeah, and, yeah, for sure. And not only that, but when I listen to a veil, right? And I don't like to listen, you know, I don't like to listen to bands that sound like a veil. I don't want to listen to bands that sound like hot water music or anything like that. Because when I listen to, say, for instance, a veil, it makes me feel like youthful and it takes me back to like a more youthful place. Totally. When I listen to shit like this, I just feel fucking old. <laughs> right. Yep. You know what I mean? Like this. Nah, this, feel is, that. this is music written by old dudes that make you feel fucking old. Yep. The lyrics are 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 um ambiguous and um almost pointless. Um, because they, I mean, whatever private meaning they may hold for the person, that's fine. I guess art is in the, you know the the eyes of the of the beholder, the interpreter, right, or mm-hmm. whatever you want to call it, if you call that art. But like the lyrics essentially mean nothing. And I fucking hate, I hate, I've said it before. I fucking hate older punks writing songs about what they've learned in their years. Yeah, for sure. I hate that. That is old man talk. That makes me feel old. That makes you sound old. Maybe you're okay with that. I don't like being fucking old. Nope, not one bit. And, um, you know, I don't want to feel that way. I don't want right. to feel like a fucking retiree. Those fucking lyrics made me feel like I should be fucking wheeled off to just go die with the rest of the fucking retirees as COVID wipes out the fucking nursing homes across the United <laughs> States. You know what I mean? Like I might as well yeah. just settle back into my fucking wheelchair 
and uh, just uh, wait for the cough to get here. Right. You know what I mean? I, it, it does. Th- that song had no urgency. There was right. no vibrancy to it. It was just old and tired. Yeah, no, I feel that for sure. And and I was actually going to point that out too, is that, you know, two recent bands that I've heard that are channeling similar influences that I really dig are uh, Anxious and that band Victory Garden that we had on the show. Yeah. And, and Victory I think Garden, we both like Victory Garden. We both liked Victory Garden a lot. And so I think I think the element there that's missing in this is that the people in those bands are young people. And they're and you know, we it's easy to forget now because these are essentially legacy acts of punk rock and right. Avail and Sam right. I Am and all of these bands, right? But when they were making those records, they were also young people. And so they were making records that felt and sounded urgent and had a, a high degree of vitality and energy behind them and willpower and intent and forcefulness. I mean, they were fucking bursting at the seams with energy and raw emotion and youthfulness. Um, so the bands that I like that are channeling those sounds now, by and large, are also young bands. It's very rare for me to hear a band of old dudes who grew up on music like this playing music like this that I give a shit about. Yeah, and I, I don't fucking get it. Like, it is possible as an older person, I think, as an older person, fuck, you know what I mean, like 35 or whatever, you know what I mean? But like, it is possible as we'll say a a senior punk, right? Mm-hmm. To still write songs with aggression and youthful urgency. For sure. And, 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 and they never fucking do. They almost never fucking do. No, I feel that. They, it's it's Go ahead. You know, it's it's certainly possible, but I think uh, again, we're you and I are outliers in many respects. Um and and both of us both of us have have not only not settled down, but I think actively strive to never settle down. Yeah. And the older I get, the more I've got to prove, not to anybody around me, but to my fucking self. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like I, I, the last thing I'm going to do is sit back and rest on my laurels because I've reached an age, right? Like I am trying to sap every bit of life I can out of this brief existence. And the thing that gives me the most joy is writing ripping fucking songs and throwing myself off of stages and traveling nine hours to see a couple bands in a shitty fucking venue. That's what I like to do. And the older I get, the more intense about it I get, to, to be quite frank. Yeah. Um, so, but a lot of people aren't that way. The vast majority of people aren't that way. They find themselves with families, whether that be by uh, you know, luck of the draw or by some sort of intentional decision that they've made. Um, they lose that spark. You know, that's that's just all there is to it. Uh, so it, it statistically speaking, like I said, we are definitely in, in the minority there. And it, it never shocks me when old dudes make old dude music. Um, but it it also never fails to still disappoint me a little bit because no. it's it's possible not to. Right. It never shocks, but it always disappoints. And I think that, you know, we were obviously prejudging a lot of shit before we went into this song. Um, right. Just by looking at the pictures of the dudes, you know what I mean? Like, like I said, obviously been around the fucking block, know what they're doing, know how to write a fucking song, know how to write sure. a B-side of Veil song that, right. you know, might show up on like a fucking discography as like a, you know, rehearsal track or something like that. Um, sure. 
and who knows, maybe the other song is, you know, different. I doubt. I just, I, I, I fucking hate, I absolutely hate old dudes trying to, I, I don't know, infect hardcore with like their old dude at attitudes. For sure. And don't, I, I don't, you're not a fucking wise teacher. You know what I mean? Right. You have nothing to tell younger people. Just as when you were young, nothing fucking older people said to you fucking mattered. Shut the fuck up, right? Right. Your years of doing whatever it is the fuck you're doing as you look back on your life, yeah, they do mean nothing. So stop fucking singing about it, right? <laughs> and and right. stop, stop, I don't know, like stop writing songs from a place of like nostalgia, mm-hmm. right? And just fucking rip it. Yeah, you know what no, I mean? I like, so what if you're fucking sore and tired the next day? You right. know? I just, man, I don't fucking get it. And I'm getting pissed off. I'm getting the fucking head of steam now. I'm, I'm right. just getting fucking fired up because I'm of their age group. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and dude, I can tell you right now, if I was in a band and that's what we wrote, I, I, I would quit. Yeah. No, and I'd stop sure. hanging out. I'd stop fucking hanging out. You know right. what I mean? Because this is like, no, dude, this is fucking dumb. This is, I, I don't give a shit. I want to fucking, I want, I want to scream at the fucking moon. You know what I mean? Like I want to, I want to invoke cosmic horror on the face of the fucking earth. I don't want to kick back and watch my kids learn the lessons that I try to teach them. I don't have <laughs> fucking kids. You know what I mean? And right. I don't want to fucking, you know figure out what the best new honey flavored summer shandy is for the, for the summer. You know what I mean? I'd rather immolate myself. I, if, if you invited me to a fucking party, if you invited me to a fucking party and it was dudes like this, just chilling and talking about the good old days of avail, I go to the fucking shed. I grab some of that two cycle and two cycle fucking engine fuel, dump it on myself and immolate myself. Right. <laughs> I, I would really give you something that you wouldn't fucking forget. I, I would definitely inject some vigor into that fucking party. Right? Right. Though, yeah. th- th- that would be, a, I would have taught your kids a lesson they shall never forget. Yeah, no, I, I, uh, <laughs> I, I feel you, man. I, and the thing is too, like, I don't want to come off too harsh towards these, these dudes no, specifically. No. Not specifically, because- it's the attitude. Right. And, you know, they, they, they sent an email over, seemed like super nice dudes, uh, you know, said they were fans of the show. That's really cool. Um, and as Nate said, right opening up, you know, the song, perfectly good. It, it, it was fine. But uh, yeah, man, this music, when performed in this way, evokes very similar feelings for me. I just, I have no room for it in my life. I have no room for uh, backwards facing sort of lesson heavy reminiscing songs it's just it's not it doesn't do anything for me and especially under the guise of 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 punk rock right that's the like i said before we ever even started listening to this that is anathema that is the opposite of what i want from punk and hardcore i want youthful vigor and ferocity and this almost never offers that up and, and you know this was no exception it was it was sort of a lethargic trip through a day in the life of 
a punk vet. Yeah, and yeah, and that's fine. You know, I'm I, I I'm sure you guys are having a good time with this, and certainly mean no ill will by it. I mean, you're not uh, you're not out here foisting this on other people, saying this is the God's honest truth. This is what you should be listening to. Don't listen to young people music. I right? would actually think that that I would I would give that more props because I think that's pretty funny. Yeah, that that would that would be a, a little bit funnier for sure. I would I would have maybe more respect for that, honestly. But yo, like I know you're not out here trying to infect the masses with your worldview or anything. You're probably just some dudes who are taking a break from your busy lives to get together and play some music that makes you happy, that makes you feel warm and fuzzy, Do that it. gives you nostalgic feelings. That's that's awesome. Good for you. But that's the opposite of what I want. From yeah, well, but if you if you want to inspire people to fucking get onto it. Fucking rip it. You know, yeah. I would rather have fucking teeth and blood spit in my face than some hoary old fucking man telling me about the lessons they've learned in life. Yeah, for sure, man. You know, for fuck sure. off. Fuck off. Fuck off with that shit. Yep. It just drives it it drives me insane. And I think that maybe I was a little too generous when I said like between like um 4 a.m. Friday and this is this is like this is like maybe one wrench. Okay. You know okay. what I mean? This yeah. is this is like, all right, guys. I have you know, like, come on, come on, stop it. And 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 you know, like, you know, it starts to suck too when like they go off and do their solo shit with their acoustic guitars and try to right. Yeah, fuck off with your Americana <laughs> bullshit. Fuck off with your fucking roots music and your folk music and all that fucking stupid shit. Fuck off you can you know what why don't i just we should just bury you at the age of 40 with your acoustic guitar and you can howl your fucking murmurings into the grave as you fucking suffocate no one wants to hear it you know and and like say what you will about off right i like some off stuff i get it it is off is definitely treading a line of like you know um um, I guess like falsehood in some ways. It's 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 Vice News Corps. It's Vice News Corps, right? But yeah. at least Keith Morris is still trying to fucking rip it. Right. Yeah, for sure. And dude is like what sixty five? Yeah, he's old. Right. If a sixty five year old man is ready to go fucking harder than you at whatever thirty five to fucking forty, right. dude, come on. Yeah. No, I feel that entirely. And it's like if you. If your inclination here is, I guess, I guess my point is that I have more reverence for the form than to think that it should merely exist as a vessel for nostalgia. Yeah. At its, at its best, it should inspire youth to approach life with the same ferocity that I try to approach my own life, right? Yeah. And so the way that you're going to go about that is as you already pointed out, by getting together, forming a band and ripping. Because if I were a 20-year-old person and I saw a bunch of 40-year-old dudes get up on stage and fucking rip, then I'm like, oh shit. Right. You know what? There's right. a, there, there's there's a future for me in this. I'm gonna right. keep fucking doing this. I life doesn't have to suck just because I pass a particular sort of arbitrary threshold in time. Yep. Right. Whereas if I'm a 20-year-old dude and I see 40-year-olds playing this, well, shit, I, I was a 20-year-old dude that saw 40-year-old dudes playing this, and I thought, fuck, I don't want to be 40. Yeah, this exactly. This is what awaits me. Exactly. You know? I mean, this is, this is you know, as a young person seeing dudes, older dudes play what is laconic, nostalgic bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
it's about as inspiring as if I were to go fucking see, you know, I don't know, fucking Peter, Paul, and Mary. <laughs> right, yes. You know what I mean? When I was 20 years old. Or right, if my exactly. mom took me to go see Cat Stevens. Not Cat For Stevens sure. or, you know, what the fuck, Jay? Any one of those fucking assholes. Any one of those shit-sucking solo singer-songwriters <laughs> from the fucking 60s and 70s, right? Right. Fuck them. You know, fucking rip it. Stop being old. And if you are, then just fucking stop it altogether. Yeah, no, for sure. And and, and again, like no ill will towards these dudes seem perfectly nice. But if you if you've listened to if you listen to the show before and you've heard us uh, get a, a band similar to this, you know that there is almost nothing that sticks in our craw like old guy shit. Oh, uh, it's, it's 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 one of the few things that like really deeply offends my sensibilities in a way that I would describe as bordering on spiritual or philo- philosophical. Yes, absolutely. It is as close. Yeah, it, it, it definitely strikes a deep, deep philosophical chord in me. It offends me on a near molecular level. Right. And, yes. And, and, and like, I think one of the reasons it offends me is, is because it's performed by people of my like cohort. Right. Right. And it just, right. it speaks poorly of us. It speaks poorly of us. For sure. For sure. Um, so, you know, Boarding House Reach. Hey, keep playing no, the music you, know, you like you like playing. Um, right. Just come on. Come on. Yeah, it, it, it ain't for me. This is, this is for you and your homies when you uh, get a weekend away from the wife and kids. And that's, that's all good. You guys need a release just as much as anybody else. And... Uh, uh, you know, better this than starting a fly fishing Instagram account, sh- certainly. Um, but uh, but it ain't for me. And God forbid that the, the day should come when it ever is. Uh, if that ever happens, put a put a fucking bullet in my head. Yeah, um, and, and, and like like carry I, that DIY ethos. Go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna say like carry that DIY ethos of like like engagement in like a cause, right? Um, right. Like. I don't know. There's a certain like energy to that, a youthfulness mm-hmm. and energy to that, and an urgency to that. Put that into your fucking music, man. No, for sure, for sure. And and honestly, if you just want the fucking the final say on the issue, just look at Tony Erba, right? the The oh, man yeah. has had a heart att- the man's had a heart attack on stage, and he's still fucking playing in bands, and he will probably die having a heart attack on yeah, stage. Yeah, and what right? a, like like there are too many better ways to go, right? No, no, that's, I, that's how I want to fucking go. And the man is, the man is in his fucking fifties. Right. And like, right. he's still, he's fuck at any, the last time I saw fuck you play, pay me, I played with them in fucking Toledo or Dayton or something, you know, a handful of years ago, five years ago. And the man, and this was post heart attack, obviously the man was literally throwing himself through fucking folding tables. Right. Right. And, and that, and at that point, dude was like 50 years old. So like, there's simply no excuse, like die on stage, motherfucker, or get off it completely. Yeah. yeah. You and know? if you, if you're worried about like your kids, what are they going to do when my dad drops dead? Who gives a shit? You're fucking dead. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, not, yeah, only, yeah. not only that, but like, yo, it's better than watching your, your fucking old man actually get old and in no shit. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. Yeah. As, as somebody who doesn't have kids, if I had kids, I'd let them fucking watch me blow my goddamn brains out at 50 um, before I'd let them watch me shit my pants and, and, and like slowly die in a hospital bed over the course of three years. Yeah, for real. Agreed entirely. So, so you know uh, what? Kill yourself. 
Um, <laughs> you'll be doing your kids a favor. Um, play ripping hardcore. Uh, make sure that it is that, that ripping hardcore is the vehicle of your demise. It's a much more noble way to go than slowly packing on the pounds until the cancer eats them away. Agreed. But but uh, but at that boarding house reach, thanks for your submission. Seem like nice dudes, but uh, but but it, but it ain't for us. Yeah. Um. So so we were probably recording for a few minutes before the uh, the time counter actually started. But this when is I pretty long. You, it's it's pretty long. We don't have any. Um, well, we we have a few messages, but we can't really do them in the format that we currently are with us being separated. Yeah. Um, maybe there, I can. Well, next time maybe I can send I can send you the messages. Yeah, we'll sort it time. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get it sorted out for the next episode. Um, but uh, but for this one, yeah, I guess I guess we could probably wrap it up for the day. We have one new Patreon subscriber though. Okay. Um, let's see. Uh, let's see what, who it was. We have got, oh no, yeah, Jepediah Hotfoot was our last one from last time. But we have uh, Alex Osorio. Alex Osorio has sent in a few bands over the past few weeks. Has been listening, um, posts in the uh, in the Facebook group a lot. So, yo, shout out to Alex for uh, becoming a patron. That's dope. As I said, we should have enough Patreon bucks next month. Um, well, in a few days now for me to hopefully order a computer. If uh, money even, even still means anything in a few days. All right, I was going to say I should probably actually use that money to live because I'm currently laid off from my position. And uh, until the provisions of the CARES Act actually kick in, I'm not even uh, I'm not even qualified to to collect collect unemployment. Um, so right now I just don't have a check coming in and I will not get to, oh, yo, <laughs> to, to wrap up the episode, wrap circling, t- bringing it full circle to what I was talking about at the beginning of the episode and the, uh, the missteps made when dedicating your life to the proliferation of punk and hardcore, the punk and hardcore ethos. Um, it's certainly a myopic and short-sighted way to live because uh, the past couple of years I have been primarily self-employed, bringing in money uh, via cash, and uh, you know, therefore not really paying taxes, not having an income to report. Um, I've been working a normal, steady nine-to-five, more or less, job since November. But the way that they determine eligibility for the relief check, the $1,200 relief check that we're supposed to get, um, is based on your tax filing status of the last couple of years. Um, but, uh, guess what? Guess, guess, guess who didn't file taxes? This guy. Yep. Therefore I don't, get, I don't get the 1200 bucks. Yeah. I mean, there are, uh, advantages. I, I, I've run afoul of, uh, living on cash gigs as well and, uh, yeah. ended up SOL on a few occasions yep. and there are advantages to either side. Um, For sure, but um, it doesn't matter because uh, it's in six months from now. Mm-hmm. That fucking money ain't gonna mean shit. The only currency that's gonna matter is blood. <laughs> and uh, on that note, we will uh, holler at you next week.